series, a series of forum opportunities at All Saints uh, that is trying to encourage us to look out to the city as a context for us to follow Christ, uh, for us to do our theology, to think about our faith, and to be inspired to action. Um, so this morning, it's a wonderful opportunity for us also to celebrate our refugee ministries and our long-standing uh, partnership and ministry within Clarkston. I'm delighted to be joined by Ted Terry, who serves the, uh, served as mayor of Clarkston since 2014. Is that right, Ted? I think that's right. Uh, the youngest mayor in the city's 135-year history. Um, woo! We, we're, we're delighted for that. <laughs> So just the briefest word about Clarkston, it's a city of around 13,000 people. And this was something that I, 30, 30,000 people, <laughs> um, 30,000 people. This really struck me when I first learned, when I was learning about All Saints, this line that it's often called America's most diverse square mile, which is a wonderful thing to celebrate. Um, that in pluralism and in diversity, we find our strength as a nation, we find our story. So something like a third of the residents were not born in the United States. And it's a city where All Saints has been doing refugee ministry work really now for 30 years. It's around that mark, 30 years. Uh, wonderful uh, time period of partnership that's so, been so life-giving and life-changing for us as a community. So Ted, more than 17 years in public service, you began when you were a teenager. Um, yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> you probably did. You were 17 years old, look at that. Um, and you're leading this vision. I'd love to chat about that and helping Clarkston become even more welcoming and compassionate community. Um, I wonder if we could begin by in inviting you to talk about your first experience in interacting with somebody who came to this country as a refugee and how that experience and on has shaped your leadership. Yeah, great question. Well, uh, good morning, everyone. Thank you for inviting me here. And thank you to everyone who has volunteered, participated, um, supported uh, the refugee ministries in Clarkston um, over the last 30 years. Um, we are the city that we are today because of the work of so many generous people who have donated their time and their money, um, their expertise to uh, new Americans, you know, we call them refugees, but they're new Americans. Um, they're on a pathway to citizenship. Um, they're some of the most patriotic people you'll ever meet, um, people who um, have lost their homes and lost everything that's, um, you know, that they called home um, and are you know, starting their lives over in America, in Clarkston, Georgia, is one of the many cities around the country that um, you know, are host, uh, a, a starter city in a way. Um, so let me first just say thank you, thank you, thank you um, for all of your support. Um, I ran for mayor uh, of Clarkston in 2013. Uh, at the time, some, some of y'all might remember the, uh, the mayor at the time was calling for a moratorium on refugee resettlement. Actually, it imp implemented one um, for the entire of 2013. It was kind of an interesting sort of fork in the road for Clarkston. Um, at that point, you know, we'd already really been recognized as a diverse square mile in America. Um, you know, nearly half the population foreign-born. And now here we have political leadership saying, well, no, we need to go back to when Clarkston wasn't as diverse. And so I would like to say that I ran my campaign as of, you know, we're going to welcome refugees. And in fact, actually, I just wanted to get speed bumps in my neighborhood. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, um, 
but uh, what I learned uh, from 17 years in public service um, and working on a lot of campaigns is you knock on doors. And so my, my first real experience of meeting a, a refugee family in Clarkston was when I was out campaigning and I was at Clarkston Station Apartments, um, uh, majority refugee tenants there, and I was knocking on doors and I had my voter list with me and Clarkson Station, I mean, it's like 200 plus units, maybe more than that, Dick, uh, James, and uh, you would know the, the exact number. Um, and uh, the list of voters was like seven people. <laughs> but I was like, you know, it's a beautiful Saturday afternoon. I'm gonna just go, you know, talk to those seven voters and maybe I'll just meet people along the way. And so as I was knocking on doors, a, a, a Bhutanese woman was sitting on a, a paint bucket out on her front stoop and she was really just enjoying the weather and she kind of, waved me over and you know I kind of was like oh let's go talk to her she's not on the list but I'm, I'm doing pretty good today I've, I've talked to a lot of voters so I'll go chat, chat her up and so she you know in kind of you know very basic English how are you doing where are you from you know the weather's nice today um, and she invited me in for some tea and I was like sure that sounds great it's, you know it's, it's a little bit chilly but it's um, I'd love to have some uh, Himalayan Nepali Bhutanese tea um, sat me down on her on our couch, and we continued uh, to have sort of just a kind of a basic kind of conversation. And I realized that she just really, I think, wanted to practice her English, um, which is fine by me. Um, about 15 minutes goes by, and her husband comes in. He had worked a night shift at the chicken plant in North Georgia, and he was really tired. Uh, he came in, kind of just waved, and he went right into the bedroom and, you know, fell asleep. <laughs> um, and so we can. We, so she serves me the tea. These some of the sweetest, you know, cookies you have ever had. Like so, I had so much sugar that day. Um, and uh, a few minutes go by, her mother comes in. So the grandmother of the family. Now this woman was dressed in just blue jeans and a t-shirt. Um, probably you know got a donation from, you know, refugee serving agencies. Some clothes donated. Um, her mother came came in and she's dressed in you know a full you know sari. She's barefoot and she doesn't speak any English. Um, but she's very nice, and she sits down right next to me on the couch um, and just sort of quietly listens to us talk about the weather and where she's from in um, uh, Bhutan. Um, and then in comes in her children, and it's uh, a, a sophomore. He was a sophomore at Tucker High School at the time, um, and uh, a, a younger uh, daughter, and they speak perfect English, um, and actually the, the son looks like, uh, he's dressed like Justin Bieber, <laughs> tight blue jeans, a hat kind of pulled to the side, and he, you know, he's like, well, what's, what's going on? I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm running for mayor. And he says, oh, you're running for mayor. Are you on Facebook? <laughs> and I was like, of course I'm on Facebook. I'm running for office. <laughs> and so he pulls out his laptop. I, we go to my Facebook page. He likes my Facebook page. He invites all of his classmates um, from, you know, from di like three different countries um, to like my Facebook page. And to this day, I still get messages from those individuals, um, some whose names I can't quite pronounce, who um, just kind of update me with what they're doing. And, you know, they've gone on to college to sort of bigger and better things than little old Clarkston. And I always tell them, you know, don't forget about us, you know, come back. Um, and in fact, actually, a lot of them do come back, um, maybe to visit. Um, some have actually come back to, to volunteer and to help and to sort of pay it forward. And to me, that just uh, that experience um, was just a, an encapsulation of really what the resettlement program is about. It's not a, a handout. It's a hand up. It's about um, welcoming in these um, new Americans um, 
integrating them into um, our culture, to our city, and giving them the, the tools um, to be successful on their own, to be self-sufficient. And a lot of them come back and help the next generation that um, come after them, uh, because we know that even um, though um, uh, in, in those years, America was taking in a lot of refugees during President Barack Obama's administration. Uh, there were still tens of millions of people who were in refugee status who probably, you know, will, will never get the chance to be resettled. Um, and so doing our small part um, in this vast sea of, if, of humanity that's suffering um, to me is, um, is a real honor and a privilege, and I just really appreciate everyone who's been a part of that. Thank you, Ted. I, I, I love the, there's a, there's a story of proximity. Um, Brian Stevenson uses that word. It's not, of course, his concept alone, but that sense in which when we draw near to one another, we hear one another's story, um, stories when we're literally in one another's um, sort of sacred spaces, in this case, in a home, in the midst of a family, um, something new opens up. I'm curious about how you navigated from the, the previous mayor who wanted to have a call a halt to, to, um, to further ref refugees coming in, um, new Americans coming in. How did you navigate, how have you navigated with the community of Clarkston, its, its, its full mix, um, that, that journey perhaps to greater proximity for themselves? How have you seen things work well in terms of that vision of a plural Clarkston? Well, I think it's, um I would say it's gotten better um, because we've gotten more people involved. Mm. And so, you know, would it surprise you that even a, a city as diverse as Clarkston, for the vast majority of its history, had an all-white city council? Mm. And that's because, you know, the majority of the homeowners, the, the, the American-born residents are, you know, they're, they're the ones who vote. And while new Americans, once they become citizens, can register to vote, a lot of them just, there's not enough home ownership opportunities in Clarkston, and so they're actually moving outside of the city to try to find a home. Um, but some stay, and you know, the, the, my campaign and campaigns sort of since then have really tried to, uh, to, in, to be inclusive of the multilingual, the multi-ethnic uh, population. And, and try to recruit people to run for office. And I'm proud to say that um, when I ran for, uh, for mayor in 2013, the city council was all white, but I had recruited people to run for office that year, two years later, and then um, just in this last election. And now we have a very diverse city council. We have the first Somali-born um, council member, the first Eritrean-born. We've had a, a Bhutanese gentleman, a Nepali gentleman, an Ethiopian um, uh, gentleman all run for city council. They got really, they got really close to winning their elections, um, but it actually, you know, began to increase the involvement mm. of the, the multi-ethnic population. Um, I actually won my campaign with 52% of the votes. And when I realized that there was people that weren't coming to Clarkston council meetings, uh, particularly the Vietnamese population, which were the first sort of refugee population that came to Clarkston, um, I did something that was pretty basic. I translated my campaign flyer into Vietnamese. And I actually recruited an intern from Emory University whose parents were Vietnamese refugees. He was second generation 
Vietnamese, um, and he and I went to some of the elders' homes. We went to the Vietnamese Baptist Church and the Vietnamese Buddhist Temple, and we just sat and listened to them. And that was a, a really important gesture because a lot of them said, well, no one had ever bothered to talk to us or even engage us in city politics, but we really appreciate you willing you know, to come and listen to us. Um, I'll never forget this one older um, Vietnamese woman. We sat in her like living room, another living room, uh, for <laughs> probably two hours. No, no joke, two hours, because she just she had never really been asked, you know, what she thought of like the future of Clarkston, and so she just had a lot to say. And at the end of those two hours, she was like, "Well, I'll think about voting for you." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "All right, well." Um, and at that time in Clarkston, we uh, only had one voting precinct. It was the International Bible Church. It was the was the gymnasium at the time. And there's like this little corridor. If anyone's been there, a little corridor to go kind of go vote, and a parking lot. And the candidates would always just create this wall of, of you know of last minute kind of like you know last minute vote getting, and the, throughout the day, several of the the Vietnamese community um, you know showed up and they deliberately kind of walked around the wall of candidates. And that older Vietnamese woman, she showed up and she walked around, went ahead and, and voted, and then as she walked out, she looked over at me, because I was in that wall of candidates, and she just kind of went like this. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, 52% of the vote in Clarkston is like 10 votes from winning or losing. Um, and I'm, I'm proud to say that, you know, engaging them in that election got them more engaged in the city. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that's a big part, I think, of my philosophy. Um, is, is inclusion. Mm. Um, you have to ask people what they want, and you have to kind of a keep asking them, because it's um, participating in our democracy in elections is, I kind of refer to it uh, in a way that uh, the old Rodney D Dangerfield joke, uh, he'd say, you know, hurting you is the last thing I'd want to do, but it's still on the list. <laughs> <laughs> I think voting and participating in, in, in our civic society is on the list for a lot of people. It's just kind of near the bottom. And so we, as public servants, have to go out and say, no, we want you to be involved. We want to hear from you. And we have to just keep doing that. We can't just say, oh, the election's over, and now everything is great. Mm -hmm. We have to keep asking, keep involving, keep including. So I love that story of uh, engagement. And you've, I've, I imagine you've got more than two living room stories. But um, with uh, that kind of margin, they, they've paid off. What have been some of the biggest challenges that you've faced since being elected as mayor? Um, particularly thinking about creating a stable, multi-ethnic community. The biggest challenges of late, and we actually experienced this in our Clarkson City Council elections. Um, we had sort of a, a disruption in our council, and uh, there were, um, if some of y'all been following the news, there's a, a um, the... Um, Southern Baptist Convention um, uh, is associated with the International Bible Church that's been in Clarkston since a year after Clarkston was founded um, is with the Southern Baptist Convention. And they had owned a lot of property in Clarkston. They had partnered with the North American Mission Board uh, to, um, to buy a few more parcels in sort of the campus that they had already controlled to build basically a center that was, you know, serve refugees in the larger Clarkston community, provide recreational opportunities, um, housing for missionaries, um, but the Southern Baptists are very controversial. What can I say? Um, and so, you know, we had people who came to Clarkson City Council who said, you know, the Baptists want to build this, you know, this um, facility, and we want you to deny that to them. And and the, the, the reason why is because they're Baptists. And, you know, I, I, we had to kind of, you know, politely explain, but it kind of eventually kind of 
turned into more disruptive council meetings uh, because you know we cannot discriminate, we cannot s deny someone's building permit or demolition permit because they're a Baptist, right? Um, and so this was a very controversial thing in Clarkston. Um, you know, the council had a, 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 a bad decision and a worse decision, decision to make um, that sort of d divided the community. And we tried to, we went with like sort of the least bad option where we tried to preserve green space um, and, you know, and still recognize that Clarkston needs a lot of support services and any religious organization, um, whether they're Baptist or, you know, we're, we're actually building the, the second largest mosque in Clarkston right now. It's about 95% through. No matter what religion they are, if they're here to, you know, to do good work, um, to welcome the stranger, um, to help people who, um, you know, need help, um, then, you know, we don't want to say no to them. Um, and so it's, you know, we're kind of in this, the, the rhetoric then was, you know, refugees are getting too much help. We're spending too much time talking about refugees. What about the Americans who have been here? What about the older residents, the, the old neighborhoods? We had a, a campaign this year called Save Clarkson's Neighborhoods. And, you know, I, 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 would, I, would, always, I would always ask, you know, what are we saving the neighborhoods from? <laughs> um, and it didn't matter. It was a vote all the bums out kind of campaign. And so, you know, Clarkston's kind of still in this sort of, you know, pendulum swing of, you know, do we welcome refugees? Um, do we kind of go back to the, when there weren't as many refugees? Hopefully we'll try to find that balance. Um, it literally is 3-3. Three, three. Hmm. I'm the tiebreaker in Clarkston. So this is an opportunity for me, um, as I did when I first came into office, to try to bring people together, you know, and to try to find common ground because we will have votes ahead in the next four years where three will be for something and three will be against something. And they're gonna look to me and say, how are you gonna vote mayor? Mm. And that's, that's a challenge. Um, but I'm, I'm a big believer in dialogue. Um, you know, we don't have enough of it in our political system. Uh, dialogue is simple philosophy. You know, you listen with, you listen with the intent to understand where someone's coming from, not with the intent to try to persuade them your point of view. It strikes me that the principle that all politics is local, um, that the recent federal government um, policy change in terms of the number of refugees coming into the country could have a very clear local expression. Everybody has a different answer to the question of who the stranger is, their version of the stranger. Um, how could you see, and, and I would just note to, to the folks gathered that um, through Louisa Merchant's leadership, All Saints has gathered together with other churches in the diocese to form a um, I think we'd call it an advocacy group to attempt to leverage our capacity as a dispersed church um, to, uh, to, to, to sort of expand our footprint of work and concern, um, believing that that kind of um, public engagement or engagement in public life squarely does belong in the life of the church, um, particularly when we are able to see the impact of that kind of government uh, decision, no matter who is the government at, at, of the day, through our very ministries. And, and if you want to learn more about that, it's a, it's a, I guess it's sort of a side advertisement here for that new ministry, but we can see that being played out in real time with our partner agencies who are struggling simply to, to continue to exist. 
Of course, then that has implications for the families, individuals that they serve. Um, so from your perspective as mayor, how, if the, uh, if the federal resettlement program, let's say that it went, did, did, did re uh, result in there being uh, zero refugees coming into the country in any particular calendar year, how would that impact Clarkston? Well, I think that the, the nature of Clarkson as being the most ethnically diverse square mile in America would not change anytime soon. I think we've kind of gotten to this point where the economy, um, the housing, um, the religious and spiritual houses of worship um, have cemented Clarkson as, you know, will continue to be diverse. Um, the, the challenge will be in the s refugee serving agencies, the larger coalition of refugee serving agencies um, that provide, you know, sort of that, you know, from not just from year one, welcome to America, to help fi people figure things out, all the way up until, you know, year five, which is when you can, you know, apply for naturalization and take the, the citizenship test, which, you know, if you just went off on the street and asked any question from the citizenship test, you know, I think a lot of Americans probably would have trouble answering some of the questions. Um, and to becoming, you know, official, you know, U.S. citizens. Um, th those challenges are going to be um, really hard because uh, there is a, an ecosystem, there is a, a, a continuum of sort of service that doesn't just happen in those 180 days and it's over, it happens throughout those, those five years. And so we know that um, the current administration has lowered the cap of refugees to the lowest level in the history of the 40-year program to 18,000 nationwide. That means, of course, Clarkston and, and Georgia's share would, you know, per capita would be a lot less. Um, there's a new little layer to it, though, um, because now the, ex the executive or order also says that there needs to be local approval uh, before refugees can be resettled. And so if anyone remembers back when the Syrian refugee crisis was going on and President Obama was saying, you know, we, America needs to do our part, we'll accept in at least 10,000 Syrian refugees. And it became a political issue. And it became a red state governors say no, blue state governors say yes. Um, and eventually, you know, it didn't matter what the governor said because federal law says, you know, that immigration is up to the federal government. But we now have a situation where Clarkston has passed our resolution saying that we have given local consent to receive refugees just like we have for the last 40 years. Uh, but if the governor says no, then it doesn't matter what a city says. And so we are looking at a point where if, um, if, if our current governor just says no, then, that's, then that is zero. You know, and they'll, they'll go, you know, they could go to other parts of the country. Now here's the reality of refugee resettlement and America. There's no walls around Georgia, okay? Uh, once you are immigrated to America, you know, through the most stringent security vetting, I mean, immigrating to America as a refugee is one of the most highly vetted ways you can, you know, come here. So anyone who is concerned about undocumented immigration or, you know, unsavory people, you know, who might slip in, the resettlement program is the most secure way to receive immigrants. So that should be just a, you know, a discussion point with anyone who says, well, we gotta keep immigration under control. Well, this is a way that we can. And this, through this system, it's been very effective. Um, if a refugee is resettled in a blue state in New York, and let's say they're from you know, Bhutan, well, Clarkston has one of the largest Bhutanese refugee populations in the country. 
Uh, in fact, actually, when refugees were being from Bhutan were being resettled in Nebraska, they were moving to Clarkston. <laughs> All right, they would you know, kind of get settled, kind of get things figured out, but then they were moving within six to eight months. Okay, so these moratoriums, these oh my state's not going to take refugees, but your state is doesn't matter. I mean, once you're in America, once you're you know a, a lawfully you know, permanent resident on that pathway to citizenship. You know, you have those rights, um, just like every other, you know, legal immigrant does. Mm -hmm. And so it, it begin, becomes political. It's more disruptive, of course, um, for Clarkston's economy, naturally, and for the serving agencies. Um, but I think, you know, there's so many layers and sort of more understanding that needs to take place in the resettlement program, which is why, you know, Louisa's group and the Coalition for Refugee Serving Agencies is so important, because we're always going to the capital to the state capitol to educate lawmakers and the governor's office um, to sort of really talk about the benefit that refugees bring to Georgia in terms of um, workforce, in terms of creating jobs, in terms of being one of the safest you know, populations um, of immigrants, um, and to, you know, telling that story of the contribution that these new Americans make to our state. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, at this point, I've got to quote the Bible because I'm running out of time. But there's, um, our, our framework for our faith is, is scripture. And there's that beautiful line, a wandering Aramean was my ancestor. That part of our memory, um, if you like, all the way back to, that's Abraham, that, that part of our history is that we are people who wandered. Um, the, the story of the Hebrews, are people who wandered, who were released from slavery, then had to go on the move followers of Jesus, the one uh, who was the, the savior who calls us to be on the way. Um, and so there's an element to which our, our vision, wherever we end up individually, but as a, as a church and as followers of Jesus, we, we have a predisposition to welcome the stranger. It's sort of baked in the pie. Um, that, that's part of, a, it's a in, in the church, we would call um, the notion that we have to keep on reducing number a theology of scarcity. There's not enough to go around. Um, what, what kind of vision might you be able to offer us that is not, a, not, a, not one of scarcity but of abundance in terms of, if you could say more about um, how you see um, how you see the life of your community being transformed because of its sheer diversity, how that leads to an abundant life for the people in your community? Yeah, great question. Um, well, you'll quote Jesus. I'll quote Mark Twain. Okay, that's uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Twain said, uh, he said, uh, travel is fatal to bigotry, prejudice, and narrow-mindedness, mm -hmm. and one cannot develop broad, wholesome views of the world by vegetating in one's own corner for one's entire life. And the bumper sticker is, travel is the only cure for ignorance. And, you know, in a place like Clarkston, and, you know, whether you're talking about scarcity, uh, whether you're talking about, you know, the stranger. I mean, I think the, the very sort of definition of a stranger is you just don't know, you know. <laughs> and so in a place like Clarkston, um, you kind of get that chance to travel. You get that chance to, you know, even if it's step one step outside of your comfort zone, um, you are growing as an individual. You are learning something new. Um, I have taken so many of those steps just in my role as mayor. I think anyone who's volunteered in Clarkston with a refugee family or just, you know, been in Clarkston, hopefully kind of feels that spirit of, of openness um, and maybe just mutual respect of people who are different. Because let's be honest, I mean, when you have, 
you know, a mosque right across the street from a Buddhist temple around the corner from a, a, an, an Eritrean Orthodox church, uh, a Bible church, a Methodist church, a First Baptist church, an AME church, another Ethiopian East African Orthodox church, a Bhutanese Hindu Buddhist sort of hybrid temple. When you talk about all those religions, all those ethnicities, people who from Eritrea and Ethiopia who were at civil war for years, people from Somalia who come from six different tribes, um, people from Burma, from the Karen and the Rohingya, um, Afghanistan, Iraq, um, Syria, you think about all those, these places around the world where these conflicts are happening, but in Clarkston, there's this at least mutual respect and this you know, respect for freedom mm -hmm. of religion and, and, and expression. Um, and I think part of it is that, you know, it's proximity to things that are different, you know, and so you can't, you know, we're in some parts of the world, people are, you know, seeing on Facebook that, you know, this one religious group is doing this thing to the other religious group, and it could be fake news, it probably is fake news, and it's in, in, engendering, you know, violence and attitudes. But at least in Clarkston, you know, our children go to the same school together, we see each other walking on the same streets together. Um, through uh, just the orientation of becoming a new American. You know, you were in a classroom learning English with people from places around the world where they would never have met those people. And so it's not just Americans' opportunity to meet people from 40 different nationalities, it's those other 40 nationalities meeting the other 40 nationalities um, from around the world and creating that opportunity to grow, to travel a little bit and to edge out bigotry, prejudice, and narrow-mindedness. Mm. So I've got one more question, but I want to encourage people to, to go with Louisa. If at the very least, it's one of the first things that my family and I got to do was to go to the supermarket with Louisa. And she had a little quiz, or at least a treasure hunt, or something like that. We went around the supermarket. That alone uh, is a wonderful way to, um, to, to travel. There's nothing like food. But I do encourage you, if you've not had an opportunity to go to Clarkston, to meet families, to, to be in proximity with people. Um, it's a gift. It is certainly a two-way gift. What, what, how might you inspire us here? What would you say that we could do, um, either as individuals or as a church, as an institution, uh, in terms of the years ahead in our uh, engagement and our partnership with people in Clarkston. Where, where, where might a church like this continue to grow in its ministry? Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, it's particularly with the resettlement and refugee resettlement um, paradigm in Clarkston, there's always gonna be that need for sort of that, that triage charity. The people who are coming in who need the donations of, you know, the, for their, their new homes, their new apartments, house, you know, clothes, food, um, you know, uh, the, the, the basics to live in America. Um, I think that, you know, as a mayor, what I want to see more of um, is that kind of that long-term um, uh, view of, you know, taking someone who's a refugee and turning them into a new American. And so that really kind of, that means, you know, thinking about, you know, how can I be a mentor? How can I... Um, you know, hire someone who's, you know, who can make a living wage, who can, you know, have health benefits, who can be self-sufficient, because the reality is there's a lot of um, uh, people who, who do need a little extra help. Um, uh, the city government doesn't have the funds to do it, and I think, you know, right now the federal government is questioning whether they have the funds to do it. 
Um, and so we have to find ways to support each other. And what I've seen so many times is when uh, a new American family sort of makes it, they pay it forward. And so that investment, that dividend that you get in you know, making a family self-sufficient, not just you know, keeping them you know, uh, you know, basically just surviving, but thriving, mm -hmm. um, that sets up the possibility for them to help other people. And I wanna call out Mr. Dick James, who um, owns several apartment complexes in Clarkston, um, manages uh, several more, um, he is an example of someone who is, you know, hiring, uh, you know, refugees and new Americans. Um, one, it's just a smart business model, you know, let's have a diverse workforce because we have diverse clientele. Um, but it's creating, you know, layers of seniority and wealth in a community that, you know, have lost all their wealth because, you know, refugees come over with almost, you know, with the IOM bags and the clothes on their back. Um, so think about things that you can do um, beyond just donating things. Think about ways that you can actually empower um, these new Americans to be self-sufficient. Um, there's a lot of great things happening in Clarkston, and so if you are in like the investment field, you know, if you invest in property and real estate um, and housing and you know, in, in those kind of developments, look at Clarkston because as we develop um, our downtown, it will help us create more job opportunities, more, uh, you know, higher property values, which in turn give the city more tax revenues, which in turn allow us, us to provide more services. I mean, we have a goal right now of having a, a universal early childhood care system. We want to make sure that every child in Clarkson has access to early childhood education. Um, and we're doing it sort of bit by bit. Um, uh, Mr. James is, um, been so generous to allow some units in his com complexes to be used for what, what we're calling ready schools, which are basically, um, you know, a little micro child care and early childhood care, you know, facilities, um, because we know that's the best investment that we can make in our, our future is in, you know, early childhood um, education. And so think about ways that like, you know, you can invest that will have a, a, a dividend for the larger community mm. in, the, in the long run. Well, Ted, I want to, um, I'm going to leave enough time for people to have individual questions with you. I want to thank you for, for being with us this morning and this long-term partnership that we have um, only continues to grow and be enriched when um, people offer their best selves to the work and um, blessings for your offering of that in your community. I wonder if you could just join me in thanking Ted for his time this morning.